0: It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. It was a joy to visit with Tammy Silvers of Tamarini's. She shares how she became not only a quilter, but a designer of quilt patterns that she self-publishes. Also, Tammy has had the privilege to work with some of the major fabric manufacturers designing projects to showcase and promote their fabric lines. Amy, thank you so much for being on the Quilter's Life. I so appreciate it, and I am so thrilled to be here. I am extremely
1: flattered that you invited me.
0: Oh, it's such a joy! Can you tell me about where you were born and raised?
1: So, I am a, a true Southern gal. Uh, I was born in Albany, Georgia, and the folks in Albany actually pronounce it Albany. But I was born in Georgia, raised for the most part in the South, Uh, did spend some years because my stepfather is in the Air Force traveling around, but I'm back here in the South again. Oh, neat. Do you have a special childhood memory? A special childhood memory. I mean, if I had to narrow it down to one, oh, my goodness that would be incredibly difficult but i do remember my childhood very fondly and i remember spending a lot of time with my cousins and playing outside and it just being a really really magical time
0: oh cool you said playing outside with your cousins to me that is so special because i grew up in california in extended family was all out east. So to have a cousin that you could play with, that's amazing.
1: It's a its a different world. I'm not sure how many folks have that now, but I guess that's why it sticks out in my mind because once we started moving around, didn't have that. But yes, it it was definitely something I took for granted, but definitely something that I really look back on and think how much how much fun we had and how close we were when we were young. Mm-hmm. Yes. So where do you live now? I live outside of Atlanta.
0: Okay. And how did you get there?
1: Well I ended up moving back here to the Atlanta area when I was in high school and then I met my husband and he is a Georgia boy to the core and the very thought of moving away from Georgia <laughs> that's <laughs> the thing he wanted to do. So here we stayed and uh, we've been together a long, long time and it's been awesome.
0: Great. Okay. Before we get to quilting, are there other crafts that you do or have done? So I gave up cross stitching when I started
1: quilting because I became immersed and truly obsessed with quilting. So I did give up cross stitching. And before I started cross stitching, I used to do, I used to do batiks, which is kind of interesting because I design batiks now. Um, But I used to do batiks and I used to weave. And um, so I guess I've always been enthralled with the fiber arts. I definitely used to do those things. Quilting is pretty much a full-time obsession now, though.
0: Yeah, it seems to happen that way. When you say you do batiks, do you Mm -hmm. make batiks? Or what do you mean by do batiks?
1: Yes. So when I was making batiks before, I wasn't looking at creating yardage. Instead, it was more like a, think about a tapestry, how it... Has a a picture, an image, and I was creating those images using the batiking process, the wax resist process, and I was doing it on cotton velvet, which was a lot of fun because when you apply hot wax to cotton velvet and then you go through the batiking process, you know, you're immersion dyeing it and then applying more wax and Uh, on and on and then removing the wax it it comes out not feeling like velvet but more like a suede it was a lot of fun I really enjoyed it I'm glad I did it when I did because cotton velvet's very difficult to find now huh Mm
0: -hmm. I hadn't heard of that before that's that's really neat are there other hobbies that you do um
1: I am a closet card maker i really really love making handmade cards and it's time consuming but i really enjoy that process uh paper is a very different medium from fabric Mm -hmm. but i don't indulge that side very much but that is that is a secret uh i guess it's not (laughs) a secret anymore but that's a secret passion of mine
0: neat so with your quilting who introduced you to quilting
1: Oh my gosh. So my sister-in-law introduced me to quilting and I say, oh my gosh, because it's really important to her that people know that she's the reason I do what I do. (laughs) (laughs) But it is all thanks to her. She invited me to take a quilting class and um, I did so very reluctantly. I didn't exactly enjoy sewing when I was younger so I was not thinking it was going to be very much fun and I took the quilting class I made a really really ugly quilt in fact a sore quilt top it was so hideous and kind people when I show it in my lecture go oh it's not so bad and I was like it's pretty bad I mean I know it's bad come on (laughs) but for whatever reason I got the bug immediately after that class I started taking every quilt class I could get my hands on just trying to learn different different techniques of piecing and different styles and working with different
0: fabrics and uh yeah I haven't looked back wow can you describe your favorite quilt or quilt pattern that you like to do Mm.
1: So here's one of the things. I I love designing. I don't particularly enjoy making the same quilt again. Um, I guess that's the ADD part of me. I get bored really easily with a pattern that may require you to make the same block over and over again. Um, So I will say that in general is very true. However, I have one small pattern, it's a little table runner, using my guided improv technique. And I have made that one four or five times so far, and I really enjoy it. And I don't know if it's because it's quick and it's small, I don't lose interest that quickly, but I have made that one over and over again, and I love making it in my new fabric lines when they come out, so... That one is unique in that aspect. Most of my quilts, I may have made twice, but not because I really wanted to, but because
0: I needed to. I'm assuming that it's a little different for you and that you have to have some samples for classes.
1: I have to have samples for classes. That's true, but primarily what drives a lot of the physical i make are for uh trunk shows and to promote um fabric lines so that's really what drives a lot of the physical quilts
0: okay and then
1: i tend to teach
0: from from what i've made on your website you said You design projects to showcase and promote fabric lines for the major fabric manufacturers. Now, I didn't quite get that you had your own fabric line through certain manufacturers. Have you designed fabrics for them?
1: Okay, so yeah, two different avenues. I design batiks for Island Batik. So when I design a batik line, I will create new patterns, and sometimes I will recolor existing patterns using my fabric line. So that people can see, I mean, we all love looking at bolts of fabric and seeing how, you know, luscious they are. But I think a lot of us, our imaginations are sparked when we see a project that is made with certain fabrics. Because now we see how the fabrics can play with each other and how they can highlight each other and, you know, really show each other off. So that's one of the reasons that quilts are so important to any of the fabric manufacturers because they really help quilters see how those fabrics can work in a project. And how, you know, the scale of that print may look different in small piecing versus large piecing, that kind of thing. So for my lines for Island Boutique, absolutely. I design projects, but then I also work with other designers. I'll reach out to designer friends and say, hey, you know, do you want to make a project in my new fabric line? Because they'll have a completely different vision for that fabric than I will. And that helps more people see the possibilities of that fabric. So that whole possibility thing, that's where um, I work with other fabric companies, non boutique companies. I design boutiques exclusively for Island Boutique. I don't design fabric for anyone else, but I do work with print fabrics such as Northcott, and Benertex and Timeless and Dear Stella and Free Spirit. So when they have fabric lines coming out, they will look for designers to do the same thing. Hey, you know, can you create a pattern using this fabric so folks can see what the fabric looks like in a project? So they'll get excited about that fabric and think, oh, I want to make that. So that's what I do.
0: Does that
1: help? Yeah,
0: yeah. Can you describe the first time that they reached out to you? That, to me, would be an exciting time.
1: So that's kind of an interesting question, because when I first started designing, I started designing because I wanted to travel and teach. That was the driving force behind it. Um, To travel and teach, there has to be a reason that folks want you to come and teach them. And it's very rarely that they heard you're an amazing teacher. No, they usually want you to come teach because they saw you in a magazine or they saw your website or they saw you on Facebook or, you know, they saw you somewhere. So designing gives you the credentialing, the appeal so that folks will ask you to come teach. So that's why I started designing. And when I started designing, it was very much in my head, a field of dreams kind of situation do it, design, design beautiful things. And people will come to you and say, oh, come work with our fabric. That's not how it works. Okay. At least not for me, at least not for me. I mean, there are the big names out there and the, you know, truly gifted people that I'm sure the fabric companies clamor to work with. But for me, it was the opposite. I approached companies and said, hey, here's what I do. And I'd love to do this for you. And um, <laughs> I had to really develop a thick skin because you get a lot more no's than you get yeses. Mm-hmm. But it, once somebody said yes, yes, it was very exciting. You're, you're over the moon. You think, woohoo, I have arrived. <laughs> going to be awesome and sometimes it is and sometimes you put all of your hard work and you know blood sweat and tears into this project and crickets nobody else thinks it's as fabulous as you do so Uh, that happens that happens that's part of the game
0: yeah i also saw that you actually have a thread line with arafil
1: I do. I've had several thread collections with Aurifil, um throughout the years. They were all around my um, around fabric collections, island boutique fabric collections. So yeah, right now the thread collection I have with Aurifil is a 28 weight, which I've never worked with a 28 weight before, and I'm really really enjoying it because. The 28-weight thread is such a happy medium between 12-weight, which is close to a pearl cotton, pretty heavy, and um, and a 40-weight. So it has enough presence to really stand out when you use it for embellishment, but is a lot easier to work with in the machine. So I've had a ton of fun creating um, some projects just to highlight that 28-weight thread. Have fun! And the collection, I'm just going to say, is a gorgeous because <laughs> it goes with my Kismet line, which is super bright and super fun. So the thread collection is equally that. It is just, it's amazing. Just going to say.
0: <laughs> that would be really fun. Do you have a favorite tool when you're quilting? <laughs>
1: okay, so... I piece, my husband likes to say, I'm not a quilter. I am a quilt top maker. So when I am piecing a favorite tool, well, my absolute essentials are the same as most other quilters. I like the 60 millimeter rotary cutter. Pull out the big guns if you're going to cut because it's got more surface area. So it's going to cut a lot quicker. And I do love my Creative Grid 24 inch ruler. But I also, when I get to into specific projects, I'm a huge Studio 180 fan. So um, I find that their tools are incredible to ensure that I get really accurate piecing. Hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but Deb came out with a whole series of and she's still is coming out with more. It seems like every every year she has new ones. Her premise is make the blocks a little bit oversized and then trim them down so that they're perfect. And it works. It works beautifully. And I have to say I reach for my studio 180 tools for a lot of my piecing.
0: Cool. Mm-hmm. How does that work with equilateral triangle that you put in the, the nine patch? Uh,
1: you know, not looking at it, but Deb has one tool that's called a V-Block. And that V-Block tool takes the place of a trirex. A trirex is one that a lot of people have used. Uh-huh. So I'm not sure if that's the one you're talking about or not, but... It just depends, but she's created a tool for most of your basic blocks that are out there.
0: Well, I know that's basic, but once you get it into the nine patch, and then you need to trim that down, does that distort it somewhat, or... Well, and again,
1: we we may not be talking apples to apples, but I will tell you she has a process and each one of the tools comes with wonderful instructions, gives you multiple sizes. That's the other great thing about her tools is they will all do multiple sizes of a block. But she's telling you here are the sizes you start with to end up with, you know, X sized unit. And no, um, there is no distortion. So again, we may not be talking apples to apples. We may not be thinking of the same, the same block or the same unit. But just in general, that's the beauty of her tools is that you can create these units that in the past may have been difficult. For example, a of, of flying geese block.
0: Right.
1: Uh-huh. Right. Um A lot of ways to make flying geese blocks, but most people find that no matter what you do, the sides are a little wonky. Right. Right. But with her method, because everything is slightly oversized and you're trimming it down, they are. Perfection. Yeah. And that is just some people say, oh, you're wasting fabric. And I'm like, but are you are you really wasting fabric if you have a perfect block? I'm gonna say no. That eighth of an inch that I trimmed off, I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah, I've walk. Thank you for that. So, what's your favorite part of the quilting process?
1: Oh my gosh! So I love choosing the fabrics, and I will sometimes spend an inordinate amount of time doing different fabric pulls and then I play around in EQ electric quilt to see what those are gonna look like and sometimes I have a hard time making decisions. Ooh, I really like this. Ooh, I really like that. So I really do enjoy the the fabric pulls, the fabric selection, which I know stresses a lot of people out, but I find that a lot of fun. And then I do enjoy the piecing. I think it's almost magical when you start mixing colors and textures and scale of print and you're looking at them in isolation, but then when you piece them into a block and then those blocks go into a quilt and you look at the quilt on the design wall and you think, wow, that's, Mm -hmm. that's amazing.
0: Yeah. Tell me about your worst quilting experience.
1: (laughs) Yeah. My worst quilting experience, probably uh, back when I first started teaching, I would ask my students, well, what do you want to learn next? And they wanted to do a double wedding ring. And I was like, really? They're like, yeah. So I went home. I was like, okay, I'm going to have to make the sample first. I made one block. I said, I'm going to teach you how to make this. And that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Not my favorite not my favorite at all. And I I, I couldn't say why. I'm not afraid of curve piecing. That's not it. I'm scarred. I'm just going to say I'm (laughs) scarred.
0: (laughs) It seems like people either hate the double wedding ring or they love it. I think there's a lot of things in
1: quilting, like paper piecing. And I find most people, most, either love it or hate it. There are a few that are like, oh, I'm a little intimidated, but I'm going to try it again, get to understand it and accept it. But I I think paper piecing is that way as well. Yep.
0: Yeah. Why do you make quilts?
1: Why do I make quilts? Oh my gosh. That's almost like asking, why do you breathe? Just because. Um, Well, I I mentioned before that I always seem to have been drawn to the fiber arts and that's a true, true statement. I've always been that way. And I remember growing up, my grandmother was a primarily a sewist, not necessarily a quilter, Mm -hmm. but I can remember playing in her scrap bag, I can, you know, I used to think, oh, I must be the most fabulous clothing designer ever. My Barbies are just wrapped, swaddled in clothes. Um, they were probably horrible, but she gave me that freedom to to play and express. And I guess I've always seen fabric as, as a form of self-expression.
0: Cool. Okay. You mentioned that you make quilts for samples on a personal basis who do you make your quilts for
1: (laughs) since I started I have to laugh because since I started designing I make very few personal quilts I've done a couple of rag quilts which I don't really consider I mean to me that's more just sewing than it is it's not really quilting but my my family loves them and My grandsons, my grandsons have an exceptional number of quilts. They will never be cold. And so I will carve time out of my schedule to make sure that those grandbabies get some quilts. But other than that, I don't do a lot of personal sewing. My sewing really is for my business, but therefore I think it's often very important that when I do design a quilt... It's part of me. It's an expression. It is that artistic expression. And so therefore, there's that satisfaction element there that I think we all get from making something.
0: Yeah. Can you give me a tip? A
1: tip. Okay. This is very basic. I stress this in all of the classes that I teach. I am a firm believer in pressing. And I always tell my students that you sew and then you press. You never sew, sew, press. So you sew a seam, you press that seam.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Sew a seam, you press that seam. Because then you're not battling multiple seams at one time. And a well-pressed block, even if the the points don't match, even if, um, you know, everything doesn't match up perfectly, is going to look 100% better than one that is quickly pressed or finger pressed and not truly pressed with an iron. And I'm also a huge proponent, thanks to Deb Tucker, of pressing seams open. I didn't used to. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Once I started pressing my seams open, I can tell you that my blocks lay flatter, my seams come together much better, and the quilt comes together much better. So I would say now, 99% of the time, seams are pressed open. Now, paper piecing is going to be an exception. My guided improv is an exception. Those two techniques don't necessarily allow that.
0: But with traditional piecing,
1: yes, I press most of my seams
0: open. Huh. I thought I was told that pressing them to one side held the pieces together better.
1: Well, but if your quilt wasn't going to be quilted, if you were just creating um, like a summer quilt, you know, that didn't have batting in it, so there's no quilting or anything to hold any layers together, sure, I could see how you might argue that those seams would not be as strong. But once you piece that quilt, you're going to sandwich it with batting, you're going to put a backing on it, and it's going to be quilted, and that quilting adds an extra element and as long as your stitch length isn't too long, um, I sew with about 10 stitches to the inch and I don't have any problems.
0: Hmm. That 10 stitches to the inch is that in your piecing or in your quilting?
1: Oh, that's my piecing because okay. I, I a quilt fairy. I don't I, I don't do quilting. I'm not a long armor. <laughs> it's
0: not power. Okay. Can you describe how you went from having quilting as a hobby to having it as a business?
1: That was a very gradual thing. My sister-in-law got me involved in quilting. And then I can remember I was going to go back to school, back to college to get my teaching degree. And I wanted to do something that was going to be flexible to allow for my college schedule. And I had two children in school at the time as well. So I thought, well, you know, I quilt, I can teach quilting. And I started teaching quilting and I just fell in love with the teaching part of it. I love seeing people get excited. I love seeing people become empowered that, yes, they, they do have the skill, they do have the creativity, they do have the ability to make something. And it, that's exciting So then, as I mentioned, I decided, well, I want to travel and teach. I think that would be amazing to have, you know, somebody in New York say, hey, come teach us how to quilt. And that's how I started designing. So it was a very gradual process. It wasn't like I woke up one day and said, I want to be a quilt designer. That didn't happen. It was just a very gradual process. Now, for some people, it does. It does. That's, you know, what they want to be. But, yeah, mine was just gradual, easing into it. And now I can't imagine not. Yeah. can't imagine
0: not designing. You mentioned you had gone back to school for teaching. Did you finish getting that degree?
1: Oh, yes. I taught high school for seven years. And that was good. That was good. I I really enjoyed being with the kids. And now I, I still work full-time, and I work for um, the education system, but I'm just not in the classroom.
0: Huh, okay. Neat. So how does that work with you traveling for your quilting business?
1: Well, that's what vacation days are for. Okay. <laughs> Someday, okay. I'll be busy enough to just make quilting my full-time job.
0: Yeah. Can you explain how you felt when you first saw a pattern you designed made by someone else?
1: That's really a thrill to see something that you've designed and then see their take on it. It's exciting. It's fun to see. And I always encourage folks, if you make one of my patterns, please share a picture of it. Because I love seeing what they've done with it. And sometimes I think, huh. I never would have thought about putting those colors together. I uh, really like that. I wish I'd thought of that. So <laughs> I enjoy it.
0: Neat. Tell us where they can find you on the internet.
1: Absolutely. You can find me online. Um, everything is under the name Tamarinis. So my website is Tamarinis.com. Facebook, Tamarinis. Instagram, Tamarinis, Twitter, Tamarinis, Pinterest, Tamarinis. I tried to keep everything really, really simple and really, really easy. So, yeah, you can always just type in Tamarinis and I should pop up.
0: Great. You want to spell that for everybody? Absolutely. So
1: Tamarinis is T-A-M-A-R-I-N-I-S.
0: Great. Great. And I will have links to that on my website if they check there, too. Awesome. Great. Is there anything else you would like to share with me today? I just want to thank you for the opportunity. I always love
1: talking about quilting. And anytime anybody wants to listen, <laughs> it's 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 a great day. So I really enjoyed this. Like I said at the beginning, thrilled to be invited. and. Love, love, love sharing my passion uh, of quilting with other folks. I'm so glad that there are
0: so many folks that love quilting as much as I do. It's amazing how many people are on the Facebook forums. I know that. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Well, thank you so much.
1: As I always end all of my Facebook lives, I always tell people, you know, thanks for joining me and happy stitching. Because... Doesn't stitching make us happy?
0: I know it does me. Oh, I love that. That's great. Bye-bye. bye I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of A Quilter's Life. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com, Or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a review as it helps others to find the show? Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website or a Quilter's Life Facebook group to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.